welcome to Season 9 of the Lit and Lucid Podcast. Here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid Podcast. We are here recording episode 97. Today we have a special guest out on the East Coast. We have Shanita Penny. She is the founder and CEO of Budding Solutions, which is a cannabis consulting firm that she created in Baltimore, Maryland back in 2015. She's a cannabis advocate, business professional, and entrepreneur with over 18 years experience helping world-class companies and startups solve complex issues. She was also the immediate past president of the board of directors for the Minority Cannabis Business Association, the first nonprofit created to progress accessible and economic empowerment for cannabis businesses, patients, and communities affected by the war on drugs. So I know that mission just in and of itself is very important going on right now today. So we thought it would be a great time to bring Shanita on to discuss with us a little bit more about, you know, all the race inequality going on in the cannabis industry that's been happening long before, you know, this issue just came up to the forefront to a lot of us, you know, recently, but it's been going on for a very long time. So I know you probably have a lot of information about that. And we're excited to just have you here on the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we first, you know, got linked up through Jane West. And we had Jane West on a few episodes ago. And she said, you really got to have Shanita on. And, um, and then we, we received your bio. And we know why now you're extremely <laughs> accomplished. Uh, you're a hustler, you go get it. And I don't think you're shy at all to do a lot of these conversations that we have to be having. And so that's mainly why we want to get you on because you know, the conversation we have to have it. And we can't cut canoes, we can't hide, we can't you know beat around the bush. It has to be addressed. And I know in our pre-show um, we discuss kind of where this conversation is going to go. And I know a lot of it is just making sure that the things that we all talk about, everybody, that these things actually happen and that there's actually change that goes through. And so I know a little bit later in the show we're going to talk about the things that you're doing and and some of those things that we have to change that have to happen and um, everybody has to do their part. But first, let's kind of uh, let's go back to the beginning of kind of where it started with you and, and how how you ended up sitting here with us. Like, where did it all start? <laughs> um, in 2013, I you know saw what was happening you know, not on the East Coast, um, but in places like Colorado. And, and I knew about California. And I decided to take a week of vacation and go to California. And I thought to myself, when I come back, I'm going to have a game plan. I'm going to transition my business. And I'm getting into the cannabis industry. And I got to California and I was like, oh, you know what? That cubicle isn't looking so bad. You know, <laughs> stability and just at that moment I wasn't ready to give up you know the comfort of corporate America and I have been a consumer you know even much longer than I was interested in getting into the industry and and advocating for legalization and things like that but uh uh, in 2015, once uh, medical really took shape here in Maryland um, I knew that I was gonna have to like, get into it now or I would constantly be making an excuse right mm -hmm. oh I got a mortgage I've got you know this I want to go you know do xyz before I actually jump um and what I learned and it's and it's really served me well is that you have to just take that first step and uh for me it was you know doing something I was very comfortable in doing which was project management you know going into an industry finding how I you know could provide solutions and value and just doing that 
um, passionate about the plant. So it was something that motivated me to, in my spare time, learn and connect um, and invest in, you know, myself to be able to transition. You know, I didn't want to beg anybody for anything. Um, I was already running a um, consulting business. And so I just thought, transition, do what you're doing, uh, get in where you fit in. And here we are today. Haven't looked back. There you go. That's the best way to do it. I like how, you know, you, you preface that whole thought with, if you don't do it now, you know, you're just going to keep making excuses later. And I know, you know, we did that too when we first were taking that leap. And I know a lot of folks out there, him hot, and that's, that's it. You just gotta yeah. like, you gotta do it. And, and just what you said, you know, even, even if it's familiar territory, something you've been doing, there's always going to be learning. There's always going to be growth and you can't be scared of that stuff. You just got to do it. So that's cool. Oh you yeah. Just, yeah. You just like jumped right in. Well, and I know that you were also the past president for the board of directors for the first nonprofit, you know, focusing on this mission specifically. So explain to us how, you know, that organization has evolved and the work that you did with them. Oh, man. So Maryland is a diverse state. I mean, I love Maryland. It's one of those places where uh, my mom's from here. So it's always been home. Um, and I expected a little bit more in terms of diversity from the industry here. Uh, and I was, you know, sadly mistaken in thinking that it's just going to happen. And it's not like I didn't know better. You know, I, my background is in IT and supply chain management. I've been in corporate America. I know what it feels like to walk into a room and um, to be the only whatever woman, uh, black person, uh, a younger person, American even, because IT, sometimes mm -hmm. the room gets really brown. Um and in a different brown yeah. way than what we're used to talking about, right? So um, I, I was familiar, so it wasn't shocking to me, but I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that this new thing was just so, I would almost call it, um, I don't know, it was already contaminated. It was already yeah. taking shape in the same way that society has shaped so many other industries and so many other things. Um, and so it was quite disappointing, but I knew I couldn't give up. In the same way that I had been, you know, the only black person or the only woman in so many other times in my life, whether it was academics um, or corporate America, um, I just knew I had to, to, to make my way. And I realized that some of my expertise was going to be put on the back burner. And now I was going to have to become a student of the advocacy and legalization movement and really learn how to uh, work with folks to shape what it is that we are trying to step into. Mm -hmm. And so the MCBA was like a grad school on steroids in terms of policy and, and advocacy. And um, I'm so grateful for that experience. I was, I just moved to Denver from Maryland because after the application process in Maryland and I, I saw what was happening, I was like, okay, if you're going to stay in this thing, you got to get recharged. Denver was beautiful. Um, I had a great client um, in the Juju Royal brand. Uh, mm -hmm. They were, they, they launched in, in Denver. Um, so it was just a really amazing time to um, really keep it going after like a gut punch. <laughs> yeah. That That's what I call like the, the application process. Yeah. So, um, I, I came out to Denver and uh, April, yeah, 420, 2016, they launched the MCBA and I'm like, I got to be a part of this organization. I'm going to I'm going to meet so many other um, black business owners, entrepreneurs and, and folks in this space. And I was so excited to join. 
Um, so I'm a founding member of the organization and then was very quickly invited to the board and led the organization for a number of years. What I had to wrap my head around was the fact that I wasn't going into like a black professionals group for engineers or IT professionals or accountants. This thing didn't exist in cannabis yet. You had a bunch of folks like me that were trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have, you know, uh, half a million dollar budget to get this work done. We had to, you know, grind during the day to, to build our businesses and then, you know, keep grinding during the you know, the night to make sure that things aren't happening legislatively and things aren't happening in the industry that we're so busy over here working on this that we're missing because that was the other piece. So um, we're building and we're we're bringing people up with us and, and I've got just uh, super involved with policy development. I mean, there were some amazing folks um, that I worked with during my time with the MCBA, including um, Massachusetts uh, Commissioner Shalene Title, who was on the founding board of the MCBA uh, and really, you know, help me understand, you know, you go in there and you tell them what you're experiencing as an operator. You go in there and tell them what your experience was during the licensing and the application process even, um, and then how it could be different. And, and then I started just talking a lot about just other things I'd done in corporate America, you know, um, as a supply chain student, you know, I have a background in supply chain management. So there's not really an industry that I don't get, you know, how to get a raw material to the consumer. <laughs> and uh, I remember Harley Davidson, uh, they were diversifying their, their talent pool. And they typically recruited from um, uh, Michigan State, uh, there was the University of Wisconsin, just some of the um, well-known supply chain programs. And so I was down in North Carolina at North Carolina A&T State University, um, hanging out with just some really cool folks and in this supply chain program. And Harley hears about it and they come down to recruit. And so we're this first class of black kids that they have come out and, and, and actively recruited. But as soon as we get there, we find another Aggie alum, you know, that takes us under, you know, the wing. By the end of the nine month uh, co-op, I've gone across the street to Miller Brewing Company and I'm like, hey, where are you getting diverse talent from? <laughs> I'm available next summer because, you know, I've, I got to take it upon myself. I, I know what, you know, I, I, I know the game. And so, I knew that I had to bring that experience to cannabis. And so I, you know, have been able to, you know, not only from a policy perspective, but from a business perspective, help folks understand um, not only our responsibility as an industry to do this work um, as it relates to social equity, um, but then to build a an industry and companies that are reflective of the, the, the world and our, our communities. Um, so yeah, it's been just a, uh, an amazing mashup of advocacy and business. And I'd never thought I would be spending the time I've spent in our state capitals and in, in DC. Um, so that's been amazing. And uh, I, I found an unlocked a new passion. Yeah, really, I think that's, that's an amazing opportunity. Like you said, I think it's something that helped you kind of grow and that it's cool that, you know, the, the universe just kind of aligned and, and led you down that path. Because I think it's easy for me to, to look back now in hindsight to 2020 and look at your background and look at everything you've done and say, well, of course, you know, that, that makes sense. Why wouldn't you do that? But I'm sure like at the time it was probably just things kind of falling into place and you just kind of following your lead because 
you know, these are the things that have to be created. Like this association has to be created. It has to be representation. There has to be a voice. And I totally think, you know, just from your past, you know, who better to bring it to the table than somebody who's experienced that at the corporate level in, you know, mainstream society, because everything that we're creating is brand new in the, in the cannabis industry. And, you know, we shouldn't just be blind to what's going on in, in the corporate world or in mainstream industries that we need to be learning from those mistakes too, and, and be applying the lessons here. Got it. Yeah, that's cool. I did have a question that kind of goes along with that. And this is this will kind of lead into our next point of talking about, you know, what do we need to be doing to to move forward. But, you know, was there any big things as far as equity in, in kind of, uh, you know, established regulations or anything that you did make move on? I know that you spoke with, um, it was the House of Representatives back in 2019, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So was there, were you able to make some headway in, in areas and make a difference? And then the kind of after that, I want you to talk about, you know, we'll, we'll branch into the stuff that uh, that's not changed and that still has to change. Yeah. Let me just tell you, that was just over a year ago, and it is still today. I mean, it's the highlight of my my time in this space. Um, here's what's disappointing about it. We were actually talking about small business. We were talking about the need for entities like the Small Business Administration to get hip and help us with the legalization movement so that this industry and small businesses specifically have access to those resources. Here we are uh, less than a year later, you know, faced with a pandemic. Our industry has, you know, not only stepped up and, and done exactly what we're supposed to do, which is continue to, to provide medicine to our to our customers and to our community, but you know, we, we went above and beyond that. Where folks weren't producing cannabis products, they were producing hand sanitizer. You know, making sure that, you know, they were supporting local restaurants, feeding their employees who were essential and frontline and away from their families. Um, so, it, you know, we did everything that we were supposed to do. And to then not have access to the resources for these businesses um, to still be fighting for, you know, just the ability to write off business expenses and to be treated as a normal business. You know, I think that we just it's, it's now or never. We reconcile that and we're treated um, like every other business or you can't keep, um, you know, leading with cannabis as, as, an, as a you know, tool. And I mean, folks are just, I mean, they're killing this talking point as it, as it relates to economic recovery. Yeah. You don't get to depend on an industry for economic recovery if you aren't willing to uh, do right by that industry. Absolutely. And so, I, I, so what's yeah. disappointing is that we've still got work to do. So <laughs> I will, if I have to go back and testify before Congress, I'll do it again, yeah. you know, until we yeah. get where we need to be. Yeah. And so like for people that don't really understand that, like what is the benefit of you going and speaking to Congress? Like what does that prove to them or like what kind of change would you hope to see from those types of testimonies? Well, you know, the uh, what we did see, we had a huge win out, out of last year's hearing. I mean, we had so much so many hearings and so much movement and just, you know, historical hearings and votes last year. One of the things that um, is really important, you know, as it relates to our role, right? Who better to talk to the policymakers and the people who live this, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
representing the Minority Cannabis Business Association allowed me to not only speak about my experiences in Pennsylvania or Oakland or Maryland, um, but to also represent all of those other voices. Um, our t my, my testimony actually included statements from Ease. Uh, it included statements from some of our other um, company members at the time, the New Leaf Project. They're doing big work out in uh, Portland to provide uh, grants to cannabis businesses because, you know, there was a gap. The city, the state, nobody's doing this. And the financial services industry certainly isn't. And so uh, these organizations have stepped up and done this. And so it, it was just important to include all of that testimony and to be able to answer real questions. Yeah. You know, some of the, you know, what wasn't even included in the testimony, um, but that came up in conversations after because they will follow up. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough time in that hearing to like pick your brain as an expert, as somebody on the front lines. And so some of the follow-up conversations around, you know, I've heard you talk about small businesses and minority businesses. And I said, well, what I didn't get to tell you is that imagine being able to give a small business loan to a rural farmer who's not had a profitable crop in who knows how long. And now you're able to convert them to something that's more sustainable, you know, better for the community. Um, and you've empowered this community. You got them off your books. We pay less subsidies when we have, right, healthy businesses. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the SBA was created to do just that. Um, and so it, it's just important for us to um, never be afraid to just tell your story. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a lawyer and you don't have to always get it right. What I would encourage you to do, though, is to uh, become a student, you know, and, and I've, I've tapped somebody on the shoulder and I'm like, ah, this guy is so familiar and friendly, but this is a formal setting. How do I address him? And it's <laughs> yeah. representative and it's this, and it's all of the etiquette that comes with, you know, not being a paid lobbyist and knowing right. the game. So um, I think that authenticity also um, lends itself to, um, I think the progress that we've made with a lot of our lawmakers. Yeah authenticity, I can see it, you know, just shining from you. And I think that that's very important when people see, you know, you in front of them being passionate about what you're saying. I mean, you can't help but be affected by it. And it's not always like, it's not always easy. And it's not always a cool story. Like as much as I want to talk about helping businesses be successful, the first time I actually um, told my story and, and, and talked to policymakers was um, actually related to expungement. It was, it was sharing a story of being into my, you know, not being a kid. This was not a high school or a college <laughs> dumb story. This was me as an adult, um, not being smart and, you know, getting arrested for cannabis possession and having lived a life. I mean, one of the things my dad used to tell me in high school was like, do not get caught. You, know, <laughs> you don't smoke weed with your friends in the car. You don't smoke weed out in public. You know, all these things you can't do. And even when I hung out with my friends who could do it, I knew the difference between like, damn, that was an interesting interaction with police and being like, yeah. what's going to happen next? Or, you know, it's, it, it, oh man. So the first time that I, I actually ever, like I said, really went to go talk to policymakers about and, and advocate for change. It was on the um, expungement side and it was, it was, you know, sharing with them my story of, you know, being caught up and how here we go, right? Here's the, here's the other very interesting version of my story, right? I'm fighting for folks who can't go get their record expunged. For me, it was as easy as picking up a 
phone and calling a lawyer that I know is connected to the prosecutor and this thing is going to be taken care of, you know, with a check. I'm going to show up. It's going to be an inconvenience. This isn't going to change the outlook of my life. I'm going to still have my comfortable job and live my comfortable life. Um, But even coming out and telling that story and telling my parents like, hey, you know, guys, I didn't even tell you this, um, but I'm going to start telling the world. So I figured I should talk to you about it. Um, Yeah, it's just been a whole thing. And I think that um, that was another like huge eye opener and just like as hard as we work and hustle, like being able to just be my true self has just been like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's life changing. That's great. Yeah. And I think part of the other conversation that's really happening right now is just the war on drugs. And it's just, you know, hearing your story already. And I can see, you know, the, the, the stress that some of that still brings up in you. And, and it's like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff we're going back and forth. And you, the fact that you even have to go sit down with, you know, in our house of representatives and, and talk about some of this stuff, it's, it's just kind of like, why? It's a, it's a, it's a dang plant. And I think that goes back to even more of we shouldn't be afraid to talk about this. And I think when uh, when we were speaking with Jane West, we were talking about licensing and the licensing disparity. And there's totally licensing disparity. It's without a doubt. And um, my experience working with some of these smaller businesses and in, um, in the industry and realizing that how many people are not wanting to participate in the legal market because of that stress and the anxiety and the fear that has been placed on them throughout the years of just that, of the fear of getting caught with marijuana and then not knowing what's going to happen with the police and, and all that. I can't even imagine, to be quite honest with you, and I guarantee it's without a doubt that that affects the legal market. And it just goes back to the broader conversation of, you know, legalization needs to happen. We shouldn't even really be having to have these conversations. And the fact that we're having these conversations in the first place tells you there's a problem that has to be addressed. And um, I think that's really where we're at today of, you know, you spoke with them a year ago and we're still waiting for cannabis banking to get passed. That should have been passed yesterday. And I think it speaks even more over that, you know, this isn't a conversation. There's no more testimony that needs to be made. You need to do it. You need to legalize cannabis. You need to allow banking. And we need to start trying to repair some of this stuff and fix these things that are broken because they're still broken. Absolutely. So I commend you for, you know, I can't imagine the stress it takes, but seriously, kudos, because I'm sure you inspired a lot of other people to be okay with the convictions and and being able to step out of the light and say, yeah, I did get caught with cannabis or I'm even just as simply as I'm a cannabis consumer, you know, not wanting to talk about it. I think that people can't be blind to it. You have to realize that these things affect the market and they affect the consumers and they affect everybody. Absolutely. So I know we talked before the show, uh, the show we were talking about, you know, COVID and the response that everybody's had to COVID as well as, you know, what everyday people can do to bring this community together, bring this messaging together. So what is some advice for just all of us? Like, what can we all be doing to help bring this movement forward? Yeah, I think, um, again, just coming together and making sure that everything that we have proven over the last several months that it's not forgotten that we don't just let a lot of these um the reactions that legislators and and regulators uh, made to the pandemic uh let's just make sure that we don't let that you know just slip through the cracks you know there are real patient access issues that we have now solved for with delivery, with curbside pickup and drive through and some of these things that should have been allowed from the beginning. And we advocated for it right on behalf of patients, but um, are cautious 
uh, regulators and policymakers wanted to err on that side and, and say, hey, let's just see how this works out. Um, so we've proven it works and we need to make sure that we um, continue to uh, put that out there, continue to represent, continue to band together. I mean, we can talk about the pandemic and then, then we talk about the other pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And the reaction to that. Uh, because what happened with the cannabis industry and the looting and some of the issues that they are still going to have to try to work through as it relates to insurance, um, you know, seeing the brothers out in Massachusetts, uh, Pure Oasis, when their business was looted, I mean, they were up the next day, boarded up windows, still serving patients. Yep. still making sure that people had access to medicine uh, and then other suppliers in that market chipping in to make sure that they were going to have inventory to get back. I mean, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, I don't care about all of these other things. Um, you know, folks got excited about uh, Dixie changing their names. I remember, I remember in 2015, I think I was at MJ Biz in Chicago and seeing Dixie and I thought, wow, I was like, this is a new industry. This is a new company. <laughs> I was like, if, they're, if, they're, if this is what we're doing, then this industry will be the same. And I, and I kind of just put my game face on and said, well, we'll work through it. We've been working through it. Yep. Um, you know, in Maryland a couple years ago, uh, a company here put a strain of cannabis on the shelves called Strange Fruit. And, you know, here we are now and you've got a rash of, of lynchings across the country. This isn't even like something in the deep south where it came from. We've seen this in California, outside of L.A. in the recent weeks. And. You know, for a cannabis company to not think through a decision to reference that song and and just the again the trauma that a patient going in and 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 it, it we have a lot of work to do, but I think what we have to do again is within ourselves do some work and then come together within the organizations that we're working in and for and the companies and do what we can don't try to 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 be authentic right and so if if you are a uh, an mso and you are a a you know you've got infrastructure and you want to support um you know black business owners in this space and incubate businesses do that don't do it to expand your footprint, you know, or then say that, say that we're going to have a collaborative, but, you know, just be true to what you're doing. If that's not your lane, you know, do something else, right? These communities are, have been impacted and it's not just about, uh, expungement, business licenses. We're talking about real deficits in communities that does our cannabis tax revenue and our industry can support. I was just talking to an amazing um, cannabis yogi um, earlier today, and I was I was talking about all of the stress associated with doing this work, in addition to just doing all the work that you have to do, right? Yeah. Um, and I talked about just being able to offer that service, that self-care as a way to help balance folks. Um, you know, going into schools, we know that in a lot of these communities, we talk social equity in the name of business licensing, but that doesn't impact you know, a community where there's not been job training and workforce development and after school care and, 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 and child care, you know, child development programming and things like that. So we have to now rethink what we're saying we're going to do as it relates to social equity um, and corporate social responsibility. Some of us should probably stay away from talking about social equity and just talk corporate social responsibility. Be a good corporate citizen. You will in you know, without a doubt, impact a community in a positive way. 
and where you want to specifically now help this cause, there's a lot of room for cannabis, the banking industry. And I'm, I'm never going to put like uh, fixing race in America on the cannabis industry. I'm never going to put reparations for black people in America on the cannabis industry because the cannabis industry isn't ever going to be, um, you know, the, the multi-trillions of dollars that are owed to black people in this country as it relates to reparations. So keeping the conversation separate for me is, is super important and meeting people where they are. I can't change your heart. But Mr. CEO, I can certainly tell you that your bottom line will be affected if your company isn't diverse. You mm -hmm. probably won't be as profitable. And this isn't just, you know, this isn't cannabis. This is industry, you know, agnostic. You won't be as profitable, as efficient, as innovative, any of those things if you're not diverse. And so we've started to have some of the very emotional conversations. We've seen a million book lists and movies and Netflix has recommended all kinds of stuff I watched when I was like in the third grade. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Now, at least when I make these points of reference, we'll be on the same page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I think those are the, the conversations that we'll continue to keep having in cannabis. And... Um, and we'll, we'll got a lot of work to do. We'll do it. I love it. Yeah, I think those are they're tough conversations as we talked about, but I think you got to have them. And I think, you know, I, I, I think the theme of our whole show so far is authenticity. And I think that's going to be the big thing for it. I mean, this episode is going to be easy. It's going to be evergreen. So it's going to be pretty easy a year from now to go back and, and listen to this episode with Shanita and say, have we changed any of those things? And if there's still yes. a problem, then you need to still keep communicating. If you're listening to this in 2021, and some of these things have not changed. You need to be still talking to your friends. You need to be looking at the places you're shopping. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we use this term for clean cannabis, but it applies here. Vote with your dollar. Yep. Use your dollars yep. to vote. Absolutely. Not just cannabis, but everything, yep. you know. And I think that, you know, one thing we talked about is a lot of people are being exposed. And I think that's good. You know, Dixie, I know a lot about the guy who founded Dixie. And I don't like it. And so I think the fact that they're changing their name, I mean, that's just... It's a name. It's a logo. I think there's a lot more yep. that needs to change within that culture of that company. And I am calling them out, calling out Trip Keebler directly. And, well, and uh, it's, it's important because let's be real, like the foundation, we talked about licensing and I know you said Jane and you all talked about it too. You have to remember these, those medical states early on, they were going back to Colorado and they were saying, hey, what's been done? And folks were positioning themselves and they never yeah. cared about anybody else except ensuring that they were exclusive in where they could be and and not helpful in other places and so yeah it is performative you know i want to see you know i would like to see us really leverage our um political power as an industry to do this thing right and if we don't get the mso stepping up and saying hey you know, these million dollar licensing programs aren't really necessary. You've already gotten, you're, you're set. You're set as long as you do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, if you're not willing to do that, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, Tripp and, and Dixie are among, I mean, I've got a whole list. I've got a whole list. And so I'm not happy with, you know, again, just, I'm not going to be satisfied or pacified with just performative, just, just yep. BS. I want to see real change. And the metrics that we need to look at from an industry perspective, it, you know, are, you know, when we have success on the Hill, when we have success at the state level, who, what stakeholders are, are, are also being, are also included in that success. Right. 
And so if we legalize in another state without cannabis tax revenue, at least 25%, like Illinois, going into community reinvestment day one, not saying, oh, when companies get profitable and they can kick in these bullshit plans that they commit to and never execute against, no. We go in, we reinvest in those communities with tax dollars first and foremost. We are now empowering agencies and organizations that have been doing this work before cannabis was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, before regulated cannabis was a thing where cannabis tax revenue could help support it. Um, and then if we do not embrace the legacy market in a real way, and I think Colorado's got an opportunity here with some of the things that you guys are talking about with franchising, with incubating businesses, it's a lot late, but better late than never. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Colorado is doing it lets other states know that, hey, we are continuing to evolve. Yep. So do not take a snapshot of what we did. Yep. Right. You should be evolving as you're developing. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, there's a huge opportunity for us to, again, focus on just doing the right things. Um, I just saw an article today, and it was actually talking about Beverly Johnson, the iconic supermodel, um, getting engaged. And she's 70. She's 67. She's close to 70. <laughs> and anyway, she's getting engaged to this Wall Street guy who, like, you know, broke a bunch of barriers um, as a black Wall Street guy. She broke a bunch of barriers, like first black model on Vogue. And she instituted, came up with the Beverly Johnson rule. So Condé Nast has to interview two uh, black candidates for the C-suite and, and, you know, really influential positions. And it's modeled after the Rooney rule uh, in football. Mm-hmm. So like, we've got these models. Let's not try to reinvent the wheel. These are real things yeah. that we can now, because I don't expect you to disrupt your board of five people. But I do expect you to start thinking about the pipeline that you are pulling from to uh, move people up, to hire for new positions, to expand your company. So, yes, a year from now, we'll be talking about this. And I expect that, you know, for all these folks that did a bunch of press releases recently about all the stuff they're going to do, that we're going to be able to look back and say, oh, they did it. They're doing it. And it influenced these, you know, folks. And it influenced this other industry because that's where we have an opportunity is that we're we're newer than any other industry and where age-old industries and age-old companies are still trying to figure it out, i.e. NASCAR, (laughs) um, the NFL, I mean, just anybody, PepsiCo, I mean all the Quaker roads and Aunt Jemima stuff, like, oh my gosh, you really want to piss somebody off that's like doing this work, trying to change, you know, redlining and voter suppression and all right. of these other things. It's like, talk to me about syrup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. Oh, well, I think, great. I think there's going to be some changes made and I love that you brought up the Colorado point and I was actually thinking about that. I was going to ask you, you know, do you like where Colorado's heading with that? I know there's been a little bit of controversy with it, but you know, the, I think the model, I think what they're going for is, is not trying to make them have to start at square one and trying yep. to give them a leg up now. And I think that. And that's that, key. Yeah. And I hope that it's, <laughs> I said this earlier today, actually, I would like the, some of the, uh, the out of the box thinking um, as it relates to solving for social equity to be applied to other small businesses, because remember right. some of the, the criteria for social equity are way skewed. If I don't make $45,000 a year, how do you expect me to start a business? Right. If I've never been in a place in my mind where I can conceive something, right? And then work every day with nothing to show for it in return, right? 
when was the last time somebody in cannabis had like a paid role in a startup? Right. I mean, it's a, it's it's a it's hard. Um, it's a hard sell that this licensing thing is going to be it. And so now you start to think about how do I put the the um, resources and the infrastructure in place or leverage my resources and infrastructure to give these folks a, an opportunity. And it has to be that radical collaboration between industry, community, and government. You know, there is no, um, first of all, we can't depend on the government to do this because they're not. Yeah. And, and it's not for them to do. Right. If anything, the government has to try to fix the inequalities, the inequities that, again, exist in our systems. And so we've now got to take those radical collaborations. When you talk about cannabis municipal bonds, when you talk about private industry uh, resources that can help a social equity program, now you have policymakers saying, yeah, I can get with this. Because any other, any other way, and they're left holding the bag and as the bad guy when the program doesn't work. So okay. we've, we've got to, to, to just remember that, you know, social equity involves folks that have not touched the criminal justice system. It involves folks that, you know, make $80,000 a year and just don't have a couple million to blow on right. applying for yeah. a business right. license, yes. um, right. but have all the not knowledge and just need access. But remember, these are the same people that make $80,000 a year and can't get a home loan because of hmm, systemic racism. So we have got to uh, work together and just, you know, do what we can and, and really just be innovative and disruptive in how we really think about social equity and growing this industry. I love it. What a like, what a motivating. Yeah, it's topic. so great. I'm super motivated from it. And I guarantee you there's listeners out there that are motivated. So <laughs> thanks for that. I think, yeah. Let's make it happen, everybody. Let's do this. Make it happen. All right. Well, we will wrap up the show just what you've given so much good advice. I don't even know why I'm asking you for more (laughs) advice, but just some advice for some young entrepreneurs looking to maybe do the same type of work you're doing or enter the industry. What would you advise them? We need you. We need uh, young talent. We need experienced talent. We need, you know, fresh talent. innovation and and thought leaders uh folks that aren't scared to you know really push boundaries um and that'll roll up their sleeves and do the work you know i just encourage folks to you know bring value to this industry because if you're doing that you won't have a a problem finding a client or a job or a partner or a fun you know bring value Mm -hmm. and um and we are just so new there's so many opportunities um don't be afraid of this. Um, you know, I've, I've just had a couple of recent conversations with college kids and they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of feel like that with cannabis, but it's still moving. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. and we were deemed essential. So, you know, yeah. um, That's do true. it, no. do it, join us. We need you. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. And I think if you go back and rewind at the very beginning of this episode, you know, don't be, don't be scared. Even Shanita, she was talking about how she was scared to get in it and didn't know what to do. And now Ran look at me. We have, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm, I'm like, we just discussed a bunch of stuff and, you know, go find her bio guys, look it up. She's done an incredible amount of stuff in a short amount of time. And I can't even imagine the next six months and a year and five years, it's going to be incredible what you do. And that all just took you just, just taking a chance, take yeah. a shot, take the risk. We need you. I love that. 
That's great. All right, Shanita, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to discuss with us this very important topic. We all learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did as well. Find her online. It's Budding Solutions. Check her out. She's out in Maryland. Shanita Penny, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters.